And here we go. You're in Red's line. That's right. It's now the postgame show for April 2nd, 2019. The Reds hosted the Milwaukee Brewers again. And uh, they lost. 4-3. to three. And uh, why did they lose? Well, I would say the bats remained silent. What do I mean by that? Jesse Winker, who I'm a real big fan of, 0 for 4. And I got to hear the uh, televised cast tell me and the rest of the audience that Jesse Winker's pressing and he wants to prove that he needs to be in the starting lineup more. Well, Jesse Winker is 0 for 4 today with a strikeout. And immediately in the first inning when I heard that gibberish, I said, no, that's, that's, that's not right. That's, that's, that's wrong. He started opening day, and then he hasn't started since, and now he's starting again today. And we're sitting here. So what do you expect Winker to do? Come off cold? Just produce? The hardest thing to do in professional sports is hit a baseball. Everybody knows this. So you want Jesse Winker to start opening day, get a pinch hit appearance game two, get a pinch hit appearance game three, and then five days later start again in game four, and you expect him to produce? You expect him to swing the bat? You expect him to get on base? That's what I keep talking about this outfield rotation that hasn't worked for the last two years. And then they expect Matt Kemp to produce as well. Matt Kemp sat opening day, started the last two games, sat today. They brought him in. Matt Kemp is a pinch hitter today. Did you know that? Yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't get on base. He was 0 for 1. So I'll stop harping about this uh, outfield rotation before Reds line gets turned into outfield rotation line, but you get what I'm saying. So let's go back to the game. What happened, you ask? Disco pitched pretty well. Reds bats were silent for most of the first three innings. All of a sudden, Joey Votto gets a walk, gets moved over a little bit. Suarez doubles him in. That tied up the game. One to one, bottom of the fourth. And then what happened, you ask? Well, Disco was pulled, and um, I agree with David Bell pulling Disco. Disco had 89 pitches through five innings, and uh, pitched pretty well, had eight strikeouts, and um, was doing really good, opposite of what I said was going to happen yesterday. Remember, I said how bad my luck was going to be, and Disco was going to pitch like, Six innings of two-hit baseball, one earned run. I said, you know, seven strikeouts and two walks. Well, he pitched five innings with three hits, one earned run, three walks, and eight strikeouts. Pretty good day for him. But he had runners on all the time. You know, those walks came back to haunt him. That's why a run scored on him. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to the uh, thing that changed the game's outcome pretty much. Um David Bell has pulled Disco. He's got Zach Duke in there. Zach Duke's working around a runner. 
that he put on. He's got two outs, and they got Arcia coming up, their eighth hitter. And everybody was like on the telecast, they were saying, hey, well, you need to force, you know, uh, Craig Council to pinch it for his pitcher that's got the Reds on, uh, you know, on the ropes here. And, uh, well, that's debatable. That's fine. But I was more thinking, like, why pull Zach Duke for Arcia? This is Arcia. This is not like uh, Yelich or Ryan Braun here. This is the eighth hitter. No reason to bring in Michael Lorenzen, which he did. And uh, Michael Lorenzen uh, gave up a three-run home run. Put up the Brewers 4-1. to one. And uh, everybody complained about that. But I was more like, why not just let Zach Duke pitch to Arcia? This makes no sense. And um, then the Reds were able to chip away a little bit more, run here, run there. Suarez got a second RBI. It was a solo shot. That was exciting. He got on the uh, board with a home run number one of the year. And um, the Reds kind of tried to make a comeback. In fact, in the ninth, you know, they had a similar situation as last night where, like, I was I was kind of proud of David Bell. You know, they, they had a runner on second last night, and they needed to butt him to third. Well, tonight they had no outs. Iglesias is on first, Jose Iglesias. And they uh, tried to butt him over with Barnhart. But the only problem is Barnhart's facing Hayter, which is almost worse than Shebler facing Hayter, but probably better because Barnhart's swinging righty-lefty. Hayter's the left-handed pitcher, obviously. And, uh, yeah, Bell uh, had him lay down a bunt. Of course, now you're 0-1, and I'm going to say, let's not force Barnhart to try and bunt 0-1 on this guy. Because then you're going to be down 0-2 if the bunt's not successful. Because haters all over the place anyway. Which you could say, well, what if he, what if, a, what if it's a ball out of the strike zone, and then you're at 1-1, and and then what's the difference? But it's, it's one of the different, it, it's one... Half a dozen of the other. So here we are. Barnhart tries to bunt 0 and 1, then it's 0 and 2, and then man, 95 miles an hour at the letters fastball. Barnhart couldn't catch up with it. And then they're down to Peraza, and then they pinch hit Farmer, and Farmer pops up or whatever. The problem I have with the roster management is this. They have eight relievers. Three of these guys are left-handed. They ran out of position players to hit. They're running with a four-man bench, which I don't agree with. The Chicago Cubs have a four-man bench. I don't agree with that either. Furthermore, why bring in Michael Lorenzen to face Arcia? Right? The guy can swing the bat. Why not use him later in the game when you're going to use him so you know when that pitcher's position is coming up in the batting order and you know, hey, I can let Lorenzen, you know, swing the bat. Because at this point, they just wasted Lorenzen. And uh, which leads me to a bigger point. Um, I understand why maybe David Bell's bringing in Duke because. Disco is right-handed, just been pitching to the Brewers for five innings. Let's bring in a left-hander in to switch these guys up. Let's change the uh, perception here. 
Let's change the uh, fast the ball level, basically. You know, eye level. But uh, I'm more thinking like that's where you bring in Robert Stevenson. If a guy goes five innings, let's bring in a Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, who can go a couple innings, and let's ride those middle relievers for a couple innings. Let's not do this thing you're trying to do where you're using five pitchers a night and you only got a four-man bench. It's just not conducive to what you're trying to do. But anyway, so, um, yeah, Farmer's been uh, a guy who's been in a very big clutch situation the last two games and uh, hasn't really came through. So um not really complaining about him, but, you know, would have rather had Lorenzen or Phil Irvin or a number of other players, maybe Matt Kemp. Maybe you, may, if Matt Kemp is on the bench and you're expecting him to produce, maybe you know have him be the guy that comes and pitches late in the game instead of pinch hitting him like sixth inning or seventh inning, whatever you did. Anyway, I could sit here and punch holes in the uh, David Bell managing 101 first-year manager thing, but I'm not going to. That's kind of boring. Um, let's talk about good things. What was some of the good things that happened today? Well, uh, Joey Votto. He was 0 for 2, but he walked twice, scored two runs. Other good thing, Puig, 2 for 4. Starting to get the bat going. Starting to get more comfortable as a Cincinnati Red. Suarez, as I said, 2 for 3, one run, two RBIs and a walk. He broke out a little bit today, which I'm happy for. Got that first home run on the board. Hopefully we'll have 39 more of those suckers. Uh, I'm going to stretch out the three things to four things. Well, actually, there's five good things out of the day. Uh, Disco, five innings, three hits, one run, three walks, eight strikeouts. Uh, Pitched great today. Kind of the walks were a little messy. He had to work around them, ended up costing him that run. And ultimately, that's why he was pulled after five. So you got to limit those walks. Uh, that was a good thing. And then the other good thing was Robert Stevenson. He came in, finished the game, two innings, only allowed one hit, one walk, struck out two. You know, uh, his second uh, multi-inning performance in a row. And, um, man, the movement was great on his uh, pitches. Looked like he really was out there, a professional pitcher. And uh, I'm real happy for him. I only wish they would uh, deploy this guy every fifth game. Let him be a starter. I think Derek Johnson could make wonders happen with Robert Stevenson. But anyway, he's proven to be their long reliever. And hopefully he can either figure out his career or carve a niche for that. Three bad things. The team just has got to you know, come alive faster than what they're doing. Uh, let me put it this way. Chacon, Chakin, Chakun, whatever his name is. And I didn't mean that in a bad way at all. I was just making a play on words. Uh, you know, eight pitch first inning. It was crazy. The guy threw eight pitches in the first inning, and it was like, man, this is where the Reds have a problem. You know, they need to make these guys work. You know, uh, Disco, even though he only allowed one and run, walked three batters, you know. This uh, Brewers lineup is 
pretty brutal. One through seven is pretty tough. And Arcia, Arcia, whatever his name is, he had a three-run jack. So he's not any world beater. He's good defensive, but that's not the point. So uh, other bad things. Not too much bad, I don't think, other than the three-run home run that uh, Lorenzen gave up. I think that uh, David Bell will probably improve as a manager. He's going to learn some of these different things, like if you are running a four-man bench, you need to make sure that you have the ability to have Michael Lorenzen, uh, and he's going to pitch later in the game, you know, let him have an bat. But then again, I was listening the other day to the Reds, Telecasters or whatever you want to call them. And I don't think they said that it was a good idea for Lorenzen to pitch and hit in the same game. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't they had Lorenzen come in, pitch, and then hit? So I don't understand that. But uh, Reds lost 4-3 to three today. Um, like I said, the good things was Disco, Votto, Puig, Suarez, Robert Stevenson. But they got to get more out of the rest of their lineup. They got to stop this nonsense with their outfield rotation. The only way Kemp or Wicker is going to start producing is if they're playing every day. Uh, Scott Shebler had an RBI somehow, but he's still 0 for 4. He's not a center fielder. Which I can talk about this. Kevin Pillar, who I talked about yesterday, traded from the Blue Jays for basically nothing. Three, I don't want to call them nothing, but three so-so players. You know, nothing that was traded for the Reds could not have matched or had a better trade or worked the trade to include Shebler, include a reliever, get back a prospect from the Blue Jays for taking on that $5.8 million contract because Pilar was owed $5.8 million, and that might have been part of the problem. But here's my thing. You could have traded Whistler and Shebler and maybe another reliever got Pilar and uh, maybe a prospect back like I want, Griffin Conine. So I just don't think that this front office is working the phones, doing the things they need to do to fix this team. Because I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, if this outfield rotation continues and Scott Shebler is your center fielder, this team is in for a world of hurt. And I don't mean that negatively. I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that like I want them to lose. I want this team to win worse than anybody. But I can tell you this. Expecting these guys to play part-time and become and become some kind of a great platoon players is not going to work. Platoons seldom work. You got to know what you're doing. You know, I think they said that uh, there wasn't very many left-handed starters in the National League Central except with the Cubs. They got a couple of them. So uh, this platoon would never work. And what else can you say about David Bell's managing? 
Is he going to get better? Yeah, I think he's going to get better. He's going to learn. I saw him learn from last night and tonight on Bunning. So I think he's going to learn things. I think he's probably learned that maybe he shouldn't have pulled Zach Duke and brought Lorenzen in there to face Arcia. Well, hope he did. It's not like you had, you know, Brian Braun coming up, like I said earlier. Why not just let Duke finish that inning? You know, throwing more off-speed stuff. Brought in Lorenzen, Lorenzen throwing heat. That guy's looking dead red fastball. Boom, three-run shot. Red's loose. So uh, what's going to happen going forward? Well, tomorrow is an early game. I think it's like 12.35 Eastern time. Luis Castillo's coming back. He's going to be on a regular rest. And um, Brewers have won the last two games. The Reds got to win this game. The Reds cannot let the Brewers sweep them. Now, um, I think Luis Castillo is probably going to have Kirk Casale back there. I think Kirk Casale is going to bring a little more offense. And I'm hoping that the Reds can uh, capitalize tomorrow on a day game. I just wonder how David Bell is going to put this lineup together tomorrow. I wonder if Jesse Winker will be starting in left field, or I wonder if Matt Kemp will be starting in left field. Oh, yeah, the lineup changed a little bit. Um, Peraza, Jose Peraza. He had been hitting sixth. You know what was funny? He was getting hits. They moved him to eighth. 0 for 4. So uh, as I've said and as I've suggested, Jose Peraza is best served for this team hitting sixth. That's where the lineup turns over, in my opinion. Allows for you to have a little slower uh, hitter like Jesse Winker or even Scott Shebler hitting seventh. Limit the double plays. So um, what else can we talk about before this game recap is done and over with? Observations from today's game. When that three-run home run hit, I think another person in Reds Nation 4192 typed it best, basically saying that the look on David Bell's face said everything you need to say. It was like, man, oh man, I did this maneuver to counteract this, and look what happened. And... um that's where I want to go back to. I'm not trashing David Bell, but that's where I would have had a rather preferred a guy like Brad Osmus. You know, sure, yeah, the naysayers are going to say he struggled in Detroit with a stacked team. That's fine. You know, I bet he learned a lot in those three seasons, and I bet his learning curve is accelerated in Anaheim right now as we speak on this podcast. So anyway. Rookie managers, this is the second one that the Reds have hired in a row. I just think that there's going to be growing pains. Oh, let's talk about the attendance. Yesterday, not today, they had 7,799 people in that stadium paid. That ballpark paid. The lowest total ever. After opening day, had the highest total ever. And um, 
I just think that these fans in Cincinnati are very smart. I think that they're not going to be tricked into thinking that you're a contender. Now, I'm going to say this. The Reds are vastly improved from a roster standpoint of last year, but the things they do make no sense sometimes, like trading Whistler for a 22-year-old A-ball pitcher that probably is never going to make the majors. Why did you acquire him for Adam Duvall? Why did you trade Adam Duvall for a guy out of options, first off? Which I called that last year, and I said, this is a really bad trade. Sims is out of options after 19. Wizards out of options after 18. And Kyle Tucker, not Kyle Tucker, whatever his name is, Preston Tucker, shouldn't even have been brought back because you already had a four-million outfield rotation. You're trying to, you know, get rid of an outfielder, and you bring an outfielder back, and then Brian Price starts him. It's crazy. But again, here we are, and it all breaks down to a front office philosophy that's not going to work. You know, you guys are all fans of uh, Jose Iglesias because he's got some hits and hit a home run. Well, that's fine, but Jose Iglesias isn't going to be here in 2020. Hate to burst your bubble. There's better ways to do this team. And I also want to talk about that Ronald Acuna Jr. deal with the Atlanta. Eight years, $100 million. You know how everybody is on me about service time for Nick Senzel and I have always talked about how they done screwed over Nick Senzel last year and then didn't bring him up in May or June 1st for that matter and he got hurt you've already stolen that year from him you don't do it to him this year and to the people that are naysayers like well it's service time service time service time why not get that seventh year look at what all the teams are doing Toronto just signed their uh, outfielder for five years, Randall Kretschik, or how you pronounce his last name. But that's a Cunha deal. Eight years, $100 million. You know, like I said, the new collective bargaining agreement is going to make the service time thing null and void because it's already a problem. The Reds should have broke that camp with Senzel at shortstop, Peraza in center field, Shelbor should have been traded, and they should have brought in a bona fide ace like Corey Kluber or Zach Greinke. Or let's just talk about Corey Kluber some more because he signed for a really healthy deal this year plus two more years at $17 million a year. That was a perfect ace for the Reds' budget. And uh, I don't know if they know this or not, but not many. Uh, I've covered this in a Reds line episode. There's not going to be many ace starters running around available. I mean, the pickings are slim after DeGrom and Verlander and all these guys are signing these uh, extensions with their teams. So um, the Reds should have got Kluber, period, end of story. Don't even talk about Trevor Bauer. I don't want to talk about Trevor Bauer. He's not an ace. He's a good pitcher, but he's not an ace. He's not a leader of a pitching staff. He's not an ace. Have I mentioned that Trevor Bauer is not an ace? There's nothing against Trevor Bauer. I like him. Would I like him on the Reds? Sure, but he's not an ace. Corey Kluber was under control for three more years. They needed outfielders. You had some outfielders. You could have traded Trailer Trammell for Corey Kluber. And then you're going to say, well, Taylor Trammell is going to be part of the future. That's fine. You know, ultimately, just so you know, he's not a center fielder. He's a left fielder. So no wonder the Reds wanted to keep him. You know, they needed all these left fielders. So the Reds got that going for him. But anyways...
What can they do? They need an ace pitcher. Is Castillo an ace? Maybe, possibly. They need to still make a move. I believe Corey Kluber is ultimately the pitcher they need to bring in. But the Indians might be going, hey, we're going to keep our rotation together and see how far that takes us this year. So Kluber may not even be on the table. I think ultimately you have to work Matt Kemp for Zach Grinky, bring in Grinky. Hopefully he would uh, waive his no-trade clause for the Reds to add another year to get back to winning because that's ultimately what the Reds need. And I believe Zach Grinky's not going to slow down. He had a really bad first start. He's starting again tonight. I'm hoping he's going to turn it around. I think that Kemp for Grinky is the way to go. And uh, it's not because uh, the Diamondbacks want Matt Kemp. It's because the Diamondbacks need to shed that salary of Grinkies. And uh, the Reds have $14.5 million in Kemp. They need to move. And they can bring back Grinky, who's making about $34.5 million. But the, here's the deal. Just so you know, the Diamondbacks are going to have to pay about $10 million a year to bring his market value down to around 24, 25 average million per year. So that's why I'm saying it's a match because uh, it'll save the Diamondbacks over $50 million over three years just to move Grinky, even if they got to pay $30 million, $10 million a year. So uh, the move they have to really make, in my opinion, unless, unless they could talk the uh, Cleveland Indians are going to take a Matt Kim, but I don't think that's going to happen because the Cleveland Indians want to move salary. Now, Kluber is $17 million and Kemp is $14.5 million. And I guess if you stuck Taylor Trammell in there, you could do it, but I just don't see the Indians wanting back Matt Kemp. Now, Matt Kemp would make a little bit more sense over there. You know, they have the designated hitter position. So you can't close the door on that. So there's probably a workable trade there if you're trading multiple players. But again, I think the answer is probably uh, Kemp for Grinky and the Reds taking on his salaries. I don't know that the uh, Cleveland Indians are going to move on from Kluber now that the season started, but I can tell you that the Diamondbacks would probably be happy to move Zach Grinky. So... Uh, Let's hope that the Reds uh, tinker a little bit more. Let's hope that they don't sign Dallas Keuchel. And uh, let's hope that uh, they get a win tomorrow with Castillo on the mound. Thank you for listening. I will be here tomorrow night, and we'll do another Reds game recap for Game 5.